Please repeat. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Mangalam Gurudevaya Devi Matriksha Mangalam Mangalam Bhakta Brindebhyo Sarvalokaya Mangalam Om Stapakaya Chadarmasya Sarvadarmasurupine Avataravarishtaya Ramakrishnaya Mangalam Om Sarashiva Samarambam Shankaracharyam Ajamam Ashmarachara Prayantam Bande Gurum Param Param So we're continuing our reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam. We are just, last week, uh, those who are here know that a miracle happened. In fact, we did a whole story in one sitting rather than three months. Right? We did the story of a short version of Matsya. In uh, and, and time for the release of the new Noah movie. <laughs> Get the same story from the Vedic perspective, very ancient version of the story. And so that was the final story in the uh, eighth skanda. So it means we're starting, the, starting a new book, book uh, nine. And each skanda has its own like major theme. Book nine has many important stories. It tells also, the Ramayana is going to be told also. So the story of Rama shall be in very just beautiful brush, brush strokes, not as obviously not as long as it's done in, you know, a couple hundred verses rather than thousands and thousands of verses like Ramayana, uh, but also very beautiful. But this it's said that that this uh, book deals with mukti liberation. Right? So the last book dealt with the creation. Right, and the creation of the universe in a general way. This is so the new the skanda has its new theme, and uh, so that's or the sub theme or the background theme is liberation and mukti. And so as I opened it up, I'm going, oh, it's been a while since I've looked. I wonder what the next story is. And then it says, uh, uh, it's the uh, uh, manus and their descendants. So this is again uh, one of the themes. That a, that a Purana has to have is lineages lineages of kings. So this is very ancient lineage. So that's interesting as far as getting a bird's eye view of the ancient world's history, right? But it's not easy to speak. You know, it's like opening up the book of um, um, uh, uh, Gospel of Matthew. It's begat, 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 being lots of it's still until you get to in the house of David and Joseph and Mary and Jesus, right? So it's, so it's, it's, uh, it's hard to give a class on the begats, although it can be done. You can give the historical context and how the lineages have come down, but not so interesting. So I'm skipping the begat, the, the, uh, but in that list uh, uh, that's being presented of the ancient uh, kings, there's a quick mention, let me find here, here, of a king named Ambarisha. Right. And it mentions very quickly that Ambarisha, uh, uh, let's see, this is, this is the only line. It mentions that the son of Nabha, Nabhaga was born Ambarisha, the noted devotee of holy personages, personage who could not be affected even the least by the curse of Durvasa, which none can ordinarily resist. So that only mentions. 
So, and as is, is, is a method of the ancient discourse, somebody mentions something that sounds interesting. You ask a question. Before you go on, who is this King Ambirasa? Ambarisha, Ambarisha sorry, Ambarisha. Uh, uh, that, and how did he get cursed? If he's such a great holy person, how did he get cursed by Druvasa? And how could he survive the curse? And we know nobody can survive. It even says, that, which nobody can survive, a curse of such a, such a powerful Rishi. How is it that he survived? So this is the question. King Raja Parikshit said, we're, we're reading from the Shem Bhavatam, uh, beginning of chapter, uh, book 8, I'm sorry, book 9, chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 14. From, primarily from the translation of Samhita Pasyananda, published by Ramakrishna Mission. Raja Parikshit said, O worshipable one, I desire to hear the story of that high-minded royal sage, Ambarisha, whom even the, who even the weapons of a, of a demon released by Druvasa could not affect in the least. Sri Shuka said, he, now he tells the story, the speaker. Ambarisha, am I getting that right? Ambarisha, right? Ambarisha was a master of the whole earth. With, seven, with the seven continents, with inexhaustible wealth and incom- incomparable prowess. But he knew that all this worldly wealth is, is short-lived and dreamlike in nature, and also that it leads only to spiritual blindness. So it's in the very ancient world, this is one of the great kings, he was known as the king of the earth. We could say maybe in ancient times he was the king of the whole earth, or you can, another way to interpret it a little more uh, common sense is he was known king of the known world. For all intended purposes, he is the world king, he is the world emperor. But he had unlimited power. He controlled the seven, uh, seven continents, right? Uh, but although so much power and so much wealth, he knew that it was all temporary. So really we're given a, a great example because st- many things, these stories are being told, but there are certain teachings hidden in the stories. And uh, this is one of the sub-themes uh, of the story is the ideal king. Right, and uh, the ideal king, but that could also be the ideal father, the ideal husband, the ideal leader, the ideal uh, individual. You know, we're all kings and queens of our small kingdoms, right? So, how to, no matter how, we all have, we may not be uh, lords of the seven, the, the seven continents with unlimited power, but we're lords, seemingly lords. We have limited power within our own sphere of our family or our profession or our life, our, our home, our own kingdom. So he's being held up as an example. He he was he did everything properly. He was a perfect king, a very ideal king. Um, but he knew that everything, all of his power and all of his uh, uh, wealth, prestige, fame, influence was short-lived. Not only short-lived, it's actually a cause of bondage. That's the thing. We have to. I mean, we have to have. We have to live in this world. But we know by the very deal, like we have to have a job. We have to have money to pay for our house pay for food, we have to go to school, send our kids to school. But every time you do such a thing, it's, you can see it entangles you. You have to, you have no choice. We have to live in this world. But in the living, it's become it's sticky, right? The world is, you get entangled in it. So having that knowledge, he lived very, very carefully. Was, he did out his duty perfectly with great devotion, but with great uh, detachment. As he had the highest devotion for Vasudeva, and to holy men devoted to him, he could regard this whole universe represent, representing all wealth as nothing but a clod of earth. So that's the thing, is how do we consider this whole world not terribly important? Only he, because, because he had supreme, I don't have the, the transliteration of these verses in front of me, this I, I got a few in later on, but not here. 
so I don't remember the exact word, but he's, it's like Pada, he had supreme devotion for Vasudeva that all pervaded, and he says for Vasudeva and to sadhus. And here for the word sadhu refers to not just holy ones, it means uh, devotees. Here, sadhu does not necessarily mean monks. In this section in the Bhagavatam, sadhu means an extraordinary pure person, devotee, the bhaktas. So in this con- congregation, we are th- these are the sadhus. Right? So he had so much devotion for God and devotion for God's devotees. That's the real theme of this story. Right? Uh, devotion to God and devotion to God's devotees. Because of that, then therefore he was getting his, his joy came from the worship of God and love of God and, 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 and respect and love and service of the devotees. Therefore, the, even the things he had and the things he had to manage, that he could consider them as not, uh, he, he could understand them properly. He trained his mind to be, how is this possible? He trained his mind, this is sadhana, to be ever in growth in the thoughts of, of Krishna's feet. So actually this is very nice. This is how, this is now, how did he accomplish this? How did he become that supreme devotion to God and his devotees and thus detached from his own kingdom? Now, it, it list, this is actually uh, very beautiful. You can even recite this. It's a very beautiful, almost like Manasa Puja. You know that Shiva Shankaracharya has the Shiva Manasa Puja, where it say that may my, when I lay down, may it be prostrations to do. When I when I when I when I go to sleep, may it be samadhi. May I uh, when I talk, may that be chanting. When I walk, everywhere I walk, may it be uh, circumambulation of you. It's a very similar verse. He trained his mind to be ever in growth in thought of Krishna's feet. His mind should think of Krishna's feet. His words in recounting his glories, right? And recounting the excellence of the ex, his his words in recounting the excellences of Krishna. His hands in cleaning the places of worship, right? So everybody comes here and they sweep the courtyard, right? This is that thing: cleaning, uh, serving the holy place, the temple, and his ears in listening to the sacred stories of Krishna. And hearing Krishna's words, he he devoted his eyes to looking at the holy image of Mukunda, right? He looked at God, uh, God's images, and his sense of touch in contacting the Mahabhagavats, the great devotees, right? You know, touching and serving the the tangible form. We okay, we say, oh, God's everywhere. We don't see him anywhere. So when you go to a temple, oh, this is God. At least somewhere we can try to train our mind to see. But how do we touch God? Right, sorry, we're not, we're not allowing everybody to touch the altar to go onto the shrine, right? But just the, the tangible, the living God is in the form of the devotees, right? So in touching the devotees. And the sense of smell in, in smelling the fragrance of tulsi leaves enhanced by the contact of the Lord's lotus feet, the smell of tulsi that's been offered, the flowers and leaves and incense that have been offered. And a sense of taste in tasting prashad food that had been offered to Lord. He eats that food. With his feet, he ever circumambulated the holy temples, walked around the temples of the Lord. And with his head, he constantly bowed down to him present everywhere. He bowed to the one who's present everywhere. He partook of delicious offerings made to the Lord, not for satisfying the cravings of his desire, desire nature, but as part of his devotional service calculated to enhance the attachment of the Lord. So even taking food is not for his own enjoyment. It's sadhana. Right? I know by taking prasadam, my, pur- my mind is purified and devotion awakens. Right? So this is very practical. What do we do? We, have our, we, can't, it's, we, we can try to just ignore the senses. 
but it's not easy and it's and and even if you're really really good at it it's temporary eventually you have to open your eyes and get up and go to work right <laughs> unfortunately yeah. so to ignore the senses doesn't seem to be possible right to use everything to touch spiritually to see spiritually to eat spiritually to speak spiritually to hear spiritually this is the secret how king um uh Ambarisha, thank you, Ambarisha, uh, uh, purified his mind, how he lived his life, even as a king. Thus practicing his presence in everything, he offered all his actions to that supreme being, the bestower of the fruits of all yagyas, sacrifice, and the controller of all the senses, means Rishikesha. Cultivating an attitude of mind, and this attitude of mind, and following the advice of ministers who established in this devotional ideal, he governed the whole earth. Actually, here it actually it says that he 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 cultivated this way of thinking and this practice, engaging himself in devotional activities, and he's and he took the advice of ministers. Here, ministers actually means the brahmanas, right? This is the old world's method. The the uh, maybe this is what the texts say. Whether or not we very rarely see such kings in this age, so it's hard for us to imagine that they ever existed, right? That you had a king who who was guided by disinterested ministers. Right, the, the Brahmanas they had no political power, right, and and they lived a life of tremendous austerity, right, and, and almost near poverty, right, and a lot of restrictions. So it's not like they were at the top of society. We usually think, oh, the Brahmins are the top of society, and they're con- and they're manipulating, controlling the lower castes, right. We can we can see that now, and therefore we can highly criticize the system, but that's not the system as it was approached. Is that the leader, the the the, the Brahmanas? They uh, they had so many strict rules. Nobody wanted to be nobody wanted to be born in a Brahmin family. Because it means you can't enjoy even you can't even go out and eat at a restaurant. <laughs> Modern day, <laughs> you, know, you can't. Everything is so many restrictions. There's so very limited things you could do. One of the things you could do you could give scriptural advice, spiritual advice to kings, right? But but you you were not so you, uh, they weren't elected. They were appointed by the king. <laughs> so it's a very different system, right? Giving good. Uh, 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 good advice based upon people who had no uh, motivated interest. It's the exact opposite of the modern system of uh, the, uh, people who are pushing, co- talking to politicians. What's it called? Uh, lobbyists. lobbyists, right? Lobbyists are, are are people who are motivated to give an inf- to, give, to give advice to leaders motivated by selfish interest, right? Uh, so the, in this system, the, their advisors were people who were by their lifestyle, unmotivated to give, except to do good. They had no personal benefit from this. They weren't going to get the contract. Anyways, this is how he, how he worked his life, how we should live our lives. Engage in these activities and take good advice. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. The advice of, of, uh, of uh, selfless advice of well-meaning people. He gov- in this way, he, cover- he uh, 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 established in this devotion ideal, he governed the whole earth. In a desert region, f- region facing the f- facing the flow of the river Saraswati, he adored supreme being with several Ashmaveda sacrifices conducted by priests like Vaishwata, Asita, Gautama, and others, and performed with an elab- elaboration of all the auxiliary rites and of liberal gifts gifts made pro- possible by his enormous resources. So he performed huge sacrifices, religious rites, right, and and gave. Uh, we had the best priests. And he gave because he was a king. He used he used the riches of, of, of his of his position of his king to worship lavishly for the good of the world to do sacrifices that could bring wealth and happiness and prosperity to his people. 
in Ambarisha's um, uh, sacrifice, all the sacrificial priests and members of the sacrificial assembly were dressed in splendid raiments and resembled celestials, with eye unwinking because of his wondrous of the wondrous displays before them. Not only he, but all his attendants and associates, who were always hearing and reciting hymns of the Lord's sportive activities, and were steeped in the bliss of it, cared not for heavenly regions, which the celestials longed for. For those who have the intuition of the Lord within, for those who have the intuition of the Lord within, feel no attraction even for the objects desired by the siddhas, as all such external attainments are made insipid by the side of the bliss of the self. So not only him, all of his, by his example, his um, uh, 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 subjects, right? They didn't, were not even concerned, they didn't even want to go to heaven, right? They were so happy, right, in, 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 in the devotional life, uh, worshiping God in the company of devotees, they didn't even want to go to heaven. They didn't want the perfections that the siddhas have, the perfected beings and the yogis attained, right? Uh, because in all of those, even even the bliss of heaven, which everyone seems to be after, right? And whole religions are based upon tr trying to go there, right? And not missing the mark, right? Uh, in comparison to just loving God, it's that there is nothing. That one is insipid. Means insipid means tasteless, right? In comparison, by practicing devotion and performing his ordained duties with perfect detachment, and by austerities, the king propitiated. He worshipped Sri Hari, the Lord, and by his grace overcame all attachments to the world. He therefore attached no importance to comforts, children, relatives, army, his armies, chariots, horses, foot soldiers, the unending wealth of ornaments, gems, and weapons, and a treasury of inexhaustible resources. He didn't his own riches. He didn't take his riches seriously. Sri Hari, being pleased with his unwavering devotion, offered him his own weapon of Sudarshana, which gives protection to devotees like him always, and is a terror to hostile armies. So this is the main theme of this story. Right to such a great devotee, the Lord gives His weapon, and every divine image and form has its own uh, rupa and its own weapons. Right, so her, the main weapon on, on Ma's shrine is the sword. Right, and but actually, Ma, you're only seeing four of Ma's arms. Right, she has actually you're only seeing the top two, the top, the bottom two. There's sixteen arms. Right, and one of those arms she holds also this Sudarshan chakra, this disc. Right. Actually, in the story, she gave that disc to Vishnu so he could do his work. That's a different, and the Chandi had mentions like that. Um, but actually, she has unlimited arms and, and countless, right? But so, so this Vishnu's disc that that you've seen in many pictures, you usually see Vishnu holding this kind of twirling disc. It's actually in, in the ancient world there was a weapon. Chakra is a weapon, right? It's a it's a round. I think what was that movie what was that show? Uh, the warrior god, a warrior princess. What's her name? Zena. She holds. She has that. Remember the thing she she she, she flew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the one person in our age group that didn't remember the, 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 right, uh, that. Uh, but that's a chakra. That's exactly that chakra. It's like a disc like that. Uh, now it's been painted through art differently. But old, but even old, old, old paintings and old, old sculptures have Vishnu holding holding this type of disc, right? So it's a weapon, right? But that idea that Vishnu uses that weapon to protect the devotees. Because such a devotee, Vishnu gives that weapon. That means that you're always protected. You don't have to call, oh, Vishnu, help me. Oh, God, help me. God's 
Even he, his protection is always with a devotee. Those who depend upon God, the protection of God is always there. That's the idea behind it. We'll find out more what this Sudarshan is at the end of this reading. So, being desirous of adoring Krishna, the king, along with the queen, who was well matched with him in the devotional spirit, okay, I, didn't, I should have marked that down, the beautiful word, uh, uh, means his wife who was equal to him. Right, and so this is a great example. But what does it mean equal? Because it's not the modern, we, we have a modern way of thinking of, of people being equal. Right, it's probably not that type of equality. The here, the, although that type of equality is, is, is desirable, the equality, they had the same spiritual ideal. Right, you know, that's a, that they served, they helped together, they did their sada. Together, they did their, vast, their fast. Together, they, 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 they worship God. Right, and they, they managed their life. Right? They had equal meaning, well, here I think he says that well-matched devotional attitude. That's the most important thing. Being desirous of adoring Krishna, the king, along with the queen, who was well-matched with him in devotional spirit, observed the Dwadasi Vrat, considered by the, uh, characterized by the breaking of the full day's fast. Uh, okay, so this is Dwadasi Vrat. What's Dwadasi? We know Ekadasi Vrat. Right, so Dwarasi Vrat is attached to Akadasi Vrat. So we fast, the very common devotional uh, austerity is to fast at least from grains or from rice on Akadasi, which is the 11th day of the waxing and waning moon. So you fast during Akadasi and then you break your fast during Dwarasi. And there's a particular time, actually some good calendars will even tell you the exact time. You have to break your, take your food we don't follow. We try to, if we can figure out, a, we can figure out a way not to eat rice in Ekadasi. We've we've we've, we've uh, succeeded in our in our Ekadasi Vrat. But but to do it properly, you you fast from a certain time. You actually before Ekadasi, you start fasting. So there's no grain in your stomach on Ekadasi, right? So it takes like three days of fasting to properly follow Ekadasi, right? And that's what they do, right? And uh, uh, and then you break your fast. You have to break your fast before Vodasi ends. The next day, the twelfth day, right? So these are technical things, but these are these are the rituals of this type of, of of austerity. But also, this is not this is not a difficult austerity, right? Uh, he's compared in a second to sage like Durvasa, who spent thousands of years eating only grass, right? And he became a very powerful yogi, right? And we know Durvasa is a uh, angry yogi, right? He uh, and if you if you ate if you ate only grass, if I eat. <laughs> If I have one glass of, of, of uh, wheatgrass, I'm in a bad mood for <laughs> several days, right? Imagine only eating wheatgrass, you know. <laughs> good for you, maybe, but not good for the brain. Uh, but, you know, so he became, he was an angry sage. But he did so much, he was a great yogi, he's one of the rishis, right? I mean, he's, we cannot dismiss uh, Drivasa's uh, influence on, on society even now. But we know he's angry. That's his nature, right? So, because that austerity is not an easy, sweet austerity. It's an austerity to gain that tapas to gain power, right? Yogis by their tapasya get get tejas, and they get tapas, tejas, ojas. They get power, right? And so he's and so Durvasa, He's also famous in the ancient stories. He can bless anybody, but usually he doesn't bless people. He curses people because he's angry. That's the power. He have a lot of power, and what you think? Like if, if if I have the power to bless you. To say, you know, uh, make good and, 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 and it works. I also have the power to curse you. Because it means I have enough power that my words can o- have enough karma behind them. That can override your own karma. If I give blessing, may you live long. 
right? May you live long, live long, live long and prosper, right? That's a blessing, right? Uh, what if you're destined to not live long and not prosper? But maybe my, by my austerity, I generate by my, by my, by my austerity in tapasya, by, eating, by drinking only wheatgrass for 50 years or 5,000 years, uh, then my words have power and they, can over, and they can make your karmas change. But it also works the other way, the power to curse, right? That's why a lot of people are like, oh my God, I, I got cur- I'm scared that I got cursed by some sadhu. Very rarely, they can. Uh, I don't think many people. I don't think many sadhus do any. The type of sadhu that would curse you for not giving them money or something. People, when you, it's a common thing in India. I get scared. You go. An sadhu came up and asked me for money, and I didn't give it. And they, I don't know what they said, but they looked angry, and you get all scared, right? But the type of sadhu would be angry if you don't give him a few rupees. It's not probably doesn't have much tapasya behind him to do anything. His words, I don't think, generally have much power. That's my general view. But anyway, so so Durvasa. Uh, 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 is this type of yogi, but uh, 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 um, uh, Ambarisa and his wife, they were also doing tapasya, a simple tapasya, that they didn't eat rice for a few days around a codice, and then on the proper time on Dwadasi, they broke their fast, right? Because it says that, that because of the influence of Papa Purusha, the mind is hard to concentrate on, it's hard to, con- the influence, the vibration influence in, in grains is impure at that time and affects the mind so it affects your meditation so one day one or two days you don't think of food too much and you increase your sadhana it's a very simple thing the purpose of that austerity is devotion not power right that's the difference right Uh, this king he had so much power he wasn't doing austerities to get more power he was doing austerities to get devotion everything he did was for devotion being desirous of adoring Krishna the king along with his wife decided to observe the Dwadasi vow towards the close of the period of the vow, they observed fast for three days in the months of Kartik. During this period, they bathed in Yamuna and worshipped Hari in, in, in Madhuvana. This is an ancient forest. They, they adored Hari with the highest devotional exaltation and intense concentration, performing the great ceremony of holy bathing, Mahabhishekam. During this time, they bathed the deity of Vishnu in accordance with the ordained rules and procedures, accompanied by a wealth of materials and utensils. They offered him and his desireless devotees worship with sandal paste, flowers, argya, etc., costly clothes and jewelry. They did all this puja to, to him, the Lord, the deity of the Lord, and to his desireless devotees. Again, this theme of, of the God and his devotees. Right. Skipping a few things. He gave away so many cows and like this. Uh, after honoring the guests by the cordial welcome and offering... Oh, okay, okay. Uh, then, after feeding holy men with delicious food and getting their blessings and permission to break his fast, right? Uh, he was about to do so when there arrived as guests, actually says Atiti. Atiti is uninvited guest, right? Uh, unexpected guest, Atiti. Uh, no less a person than the worshipable sage Durvasa. So he, he did everything. He did his pujas. He, he, was, he fed. He was going to, um, uh, he gave wealth and uh, dakshina and clothes to the Brahmins and the devotees, to the poor. And then he was just about to theme. The time is coming. I have to break my fast on Dvadasi at the proper time, right? So he, he asked permission. With your permission, may I, t- may I take my food? Right, this, is good et- this is a good etiquette. You would never eat without, in front of somebody, with, especially if you're the host, right? This is in- in- inconceivable, right? And just then, Durvasa comes. We know this experience. We're just about to eat. 
and you look out, and oh, another guest has come. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we know this is, you have to make arrangements, right? You have to feed the guests, or what if a sadhu comes and your whole, you know, like this. After honoring the guests by cordial welcome, offering a seat, presentation of aragya, etc., the king prostrated before him, himself before him and requested him to have his midday meal there. He said, oh, great sage, you've come. Please take your food. We'll arrange your food. The sage accepted the invitation joyfully and went to Yamuna for his noonday rites. He has to bathe in the Yamuna before eating. He immersed himself in the waters of the Yamuna, meditating on that supreme being. Here's his um, uh, um, Briha, that infinite being. I remember in, when I was studying, I don't have the words in front of me, but that Briha, that, 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 that all-pervading being. He, Sitting went to the gang, into the Yamuna, did his ablutions, and began to meditate on that infinite being. The king waited for the return of the sage till only half a muhurta, which is just a few minutes, right? Uh, uh, until only half a muhurta was left of the twelfth day of the fortnight, Dwadasi, to elapse, before which he was to break his fast according to the rules of the vow he was observing. So he was stuck. The, the, the sage is meditating, in the, in the, uh, meditating on the infinite being, waist deep in the Yamuna, and I have to eat, I, have to, I only have a few more, few minutes, before, and I have to break the fast. So he was in a predicament, right? Uh, we know this feeling. He th- uh, 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 caught in this dilemma in respect to a sacred duty, he conferred with some of his learned uh, ministers as to what should be done. He asked him, if I break my fast now, I shall be violating the rules of hospitality to a holy man by eating before feeding him. I was saying, if I eat, and then I'll, he'll be insulted. I, I mean, I would have broken the rule, but also we know that Ravasa is easily insulted, right? Uh, but if I don't take food, I shall be violating the rules requiring the breaking of the fast on Dwadasi, on the Dwadasi day itself. What shall I do in this situation? for my good and for avoiding sin. Then, he, So the ministers didn't know the answer, so then he came with his own answers. I shall break my fast by drinking a little water. Because learned people say that drinking water can be considered both taking food and not taking food. You can see people, if you just take water, it means you haven't eaten. But, if, but, there are, but also you can break a fast by water. So you figure that's safe. I'll drink a few of the water before I satisfy the rule, right? but I won't eat. Right, because it's both eating and not eating. So he thought this would be the best way. His motivation, he's trying to, he's trying to worship properly, and he's trying to serve properly. His motivation is pure. Right, that we have to remember. O leader of the Kurus, thus after drinking some water and dwelling on the, on the Lord mentally, King Ambarisha stood there awaiting the arrival of Dravasa. Now Dravasa returned after his noonday rites from the bank of the Yamuna, and respectfully welcomed by the king. The sage, however, able to know through his mental power that the king had already broken his fast by drinking water. To the king, who was standing before him with joined palms, Dravasa, who was as angry as he was hungry. I like that. <laughs> All right. Actually, I think anger and hunger go very close together. <laughs> In my family also, we'd like, you know, on Saturday we're working, cleaning, and all of a sudden you're like, we start bickering and talking back to each other and get more and more. Then we're like, maybe we should eat something. And then at the end of the, at the end of the meal, it's like, oh, we actually do love each other. It turns out. Sri <laughs> Ramakrishna said in Kali Yuga, the mind depends on food. It's one of the symptoms. You skip one meal, your mind's disturbed. Right? 
He was as angry as he was hungry. Said was his body shivering, his face distorted by the arching of his eyebrows in extreme anger. Atrocious! Look at the transgression of this man, who is cruel, unbalanced by pride of wealth, without an atom of real devotion to Vishnu, and behaving as if he were a law unto himself. Right, this is his reaction. What? You've drank a drop of water before, you know, uh, he interprets everything from his perspective, egotistical perspective. You invited me to come as your guest. Of course, that's not true. You just showed up, right? But without feeding me, you have taken food. I shall show you the consequence of, of it immediately. He's like, the, the Paul, this is the, I'll give you the fruits of the thing. You'll see what the fruits are. So saying, Dravasa, who was burning with anger, pulled out one of his dreadlocks. He pulled out and he broke it off. Because the dreadlock, everybody knows, this is where you see why I have all my awesome, scary power from, is my hair, you know. Uh, that, that, uh, the, it's believed that the jatta holds the ascetic power of somebody. So he took his dreadlock and he threw it on the ground. We know when Sati uh, committed Sati, right, uh, that's, Shiva took a couple dreads and threw them, became Virabhadra uh, and Badrakali. And killed. Uh, so we know that that same type of thing. He took his dreadlock and threw it on the ground, and generated out of it a fierce de- uh, demon, Kritya, as fierce as fire at the time of the cosmic dissolution. This fierce demon monster, basically what he did, it's magic, right? That's equivalent to black magic. He took something creating and conjured up some by his ascetic power. He conjured up some some spirit to attack him. Right? This is not the highest behavior of a sage. Right. Even seeing that fiery spirit rushing at him, sword in hand and causing tremors of the earth, Ambarisha did not budge or step from where he stood. He has stood there, right? Because he's done. He have to think he's done nothing wrong. He's not. He has nothing. He's not. He hasn't. He's not. He can't be punished. He didn't do anything wrong. He's trying to follow the scriptures and he's trying to serve his guests, right? That's you have to remember. He has nothing. Therefore, when you when you've done nothing wrong, you've done everything right. You have nothing to fear. Right. If you do, you know, a, a, a guilty person is always scared. Right. A, a, an innocent person should never be scared. Right. Sudarshana, remember that that disc, that chakra of the of the Lord, Sudarshana, the disc of the Lord that had already been appointed as a protector of his devotee by by Vishnu, now burnt up the threatening Kritya demon as a forest fire consumes a serpent. So within a second, that demon was burnt up. Frightened by the failure of his effort, by the apparition of the Sudarshan rushing towards him, Trivasa now began to run in all directions for his own safety. So as soon as that disc, then that disc went after the sage, Trivasa. So he got, oh my God, when it, like, now, he has to run, now he's running from this uh, fiery disc of Lord Vishnu. The spreading flames of the fire consumed, coming from the Sudarshan, pursued the sage as a forest fire does snakes. Imagine a big fire, the snakes are running from the fire. It's a great image. Compelling the sage to take shelter in a cave on Mount uh, Meru, Mahameru. But the Sudarshan of irresistible might pursued him wherever he rushed for safety. The quarters, the sky, the heaven, the earth, and the 14 lokas. This is important. He went in all, everywhere on this planet, everywhere in every realm, but every element. Right, in the fourteen worlds, still that disc was following him to punish him. When he failed to get shelter anywhere, he went to Brahma, the Creator, and prayed for protection. He went to Brahma Loka, Satyaloka, O Master, O Creator, save me from Hari's power, the Sudarshana Chakra. Brahma said, "He is the time spirit 
by the mere vibration of whose brows this whole universe, including my realm of Satyaloka, passes into dissolution at the close of the, of the age, when his divine play closes. How can we protect you, who have, who, you who have offended a devotee of that being? He's time itself. Actually, Sudarshan, that disk, many people interpret Sudarshan means it a disk of time. Right? Who can, who can, who can, how can we protect you against the disk of time? Also means a disk. He's threatened, I'll show you your fate, your karm, your pul, your fruits. Right? This is also the fruit of disrespecting a devotee. Right? You have to, you can, even Brahma, even the creator of this world cannot protect you. He is the one whom command, whose command, commandments we, we all, including myself, Bhava means uh, Shiva, Daksha, Bhrigu, and the Prajapatis, and the, the Lord of Bhutas and Devas, accepts with bent heads and implements for the good of the world. We're simply doing His will. All the gods are only doing Vishnu's will. So how are we going to pray to have this thing stop? How can we protect you, you who have offended a devotee of that being? Thus abandoned by Brahma, Dravasa, who was being constantly threatened by the Sudarshan, next went to Kailash and took shelter at the feet of Rudra, Shiva. Sri Rudra said, He by whose will innumerable universes, like the one in which we are involved, emerge and get dissolved continuously. Against him we are not capable of doing anything. The being that creates countless universes and destroys them, what can we do against them? Even Shiva saying, and he says, I, Sanat Kumar, Narada Muni, Brahma, Kapila, Saubari, Devala, Dharma, Asuri, Marichi, and other men of knowledge and perfection are all subject to his Maya and are without any understanding of the nature of that Maya. His weapon, Sudarshan, is beyond my power to control. So you go to shelter to Sri Hari himself, who alone can help you in your present predicament. Filled with despair, Dhruvasa then proceeded to the realm of Vaikuntha, the heaven of Vishnu, where the Lord... Shinivasa, uh, you chanted a song. Did you have that name today? No. Shinivasa, the Lord of Sri, uh, along with Sri, has his abode. Scorched by the heat of that Sudarshan, he fell down trembling at the feet of the Lord and said, O Achuta, O Ananta, O Infinite One, O Unending One, Unchanging One, O Bhaktivatsali, O Lover of the Devotees. This is the beginning of his realization. O Lord of all, O protector of the worlds, please save me, even though I am a great transgressor. Without knowing your power, I did wrong to a devotee of yours, dying to order what atonement I should do for the same. How can I fix this? For you can certainly save me, as even those undergoing suffering in hell are saved by the mere utterance of thy name. Right? Even saying your name takes you out of hell, so you can definitely save me. I think verse 63, I translated some of these verse, verses. Now this is the, the main theme of this. Uh, 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 there's a, f a few Easter eggs on the couch there. You can give put in her basket there. <laughs> They're on the couch. <laughs> you, can't, you can't walk around with an Easter, Easter basket and not have an Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> I see a pink basket. What do you do? You gotta put something in it. Uh, uh. 
So uh, this is the main thing. This is Vishnu's, in this text, this is Vishnu's own words about the power of, the glory of the devotees. The theme of this section. Thus instructed by the Lord Dhruvasa, Lord Dhruvasa, who is extremely distressed by the threat of the disc, now went to, um, oh sorry, I skipped uh, 63. Oh sage, the Lord, blessed Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, the Lord says, Aham bhakta paradino, paradino. I am dependent. I am uh, subservient. I depend upon my devotee. You really think the devotee depends upon God, right? But God's saying, I am dependent upon my devotee, right? So what can I do, <laughs> right? I depend on my devotee. Uh, so I have three different translations of from it. say it is as if I am not free, subject as I am to my devotee. Another way of saying. Being fond of my devotee, my heart is under their sway. I am controlled by them. Right? I do not value myself or even Sri, meaning Lakshmi, who is ever associated with me, as if I as I do these holy men who accepted me as their sole goal. Yes. Those who accepted me as a supreme uh, goal, those people, there's nothing I value more. There's nobody I rather please. I don't even care about myself or even Sri. Sri means Lakshmi, or Sri means all, his, his, all of his powers. The power, all of his wealth, the power of God, all the, the grandeur, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipotent, all these omni words, right? Omni wonderful. Uh, none of these are important as my devotee. How can I abandon these people who have sought refuge in me, abandoning their. Ab here, abandoning is the right word, giving up or, or going beyond. Not giving up because he's. Um, the king has not given up his family or his wife or his kingdom, right? So it's, you have to understand it properly. Abandoning their wives, children, relatives, houses, wealth, and this world and the, and the next. The holy men who have deep-rooted affection for me and respect my presence and all alike win me over as a faithful wife does a dutiful husband. That's verse 66. Uh. A chaste woman brings their gentle husband under control by, by their love and service. The pure devotee who are equal to, equal to everyone. Actually, here it's very nice. Sadhavaha samadarshana. That word is also, that samadarshana is also in the Gita. Right? Samadarshana panditaha. One who sees everything the same, that is a pandit. Here, one who sees everything the same is a sadhu, or here, or devotee. Right, this is a, a devotee sees because he sees me, he loves me, they love me, that means they love everyone the same. Because I am everywhere, who exists in everything. Right. Very beautiful. Satsit uh, okay, hold on, sorry. Having attained to life's fulfillment through my service, they do not care for the four forms of mukti, different types of liberation. How little would they then care for the perishable attainments of the world? 68 is my favorite, one of my favorite verses. Sadhavo hridayamayam. A sadhu or a devotee is 
uh, exists within my heart. Sadhunam hridyam tvam aham, and I exist in their heart. Right, that's very beautiful. They exist in my heart, and I exist in their heart. So actually, by tat, by bhava, there's a difference between bhava and tattva. By bhava, we think that oh, a devotee, you know, God is infinite, and a devotee is small. We're small like that. But tattva, a devotee is greater than God, by by actual truth. How that's so the yoga and other texts they they give this example that the entire universe exists within God, right? But God exists within the devotee, in the heart of the devotee, right? So who's greater, right? All beings exist within within all beings and all universes exist within God, but that infinite God can be held by devotion in the in the in the heart and mind of a devotee. So it's a larger it's a larger position. Right, uh, uh, and you see in all the stories, there's so much leela in all these stories, where like we're all we're, we're trying to become servants of God, right? But all the stories, God's our servant, right? So many stories like this, right? Uh, 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 Arjuna, Krishna serves Arjuna as his charioteer, is a classic example, right? And we see, oh, I'm a servant of God, a servant of God. But we can feel the more we progress in our so-called service of God, we see God's doing everything for us, right? That's that realization, I mean that simple realization, right? So who's superior? Of course, God's superior, but actually the devotee's superior. But if the devotee doesn't, can't think that, <laughs> the danger to think that. But Vishnu can think that. Vishnu thinking, oh, my devotee is greater. This is a great mystery. Like, who's greater, Radha or Krishna? Right? You know, it's like, well, Krishna's God, right? But God uh, dances to her tune, right? <laughs> this is a secret. So she's greater. He's God, but she's greater. Right, that's the mystery of the whole thing, right? And so another way of thinking, Sri Ramakrishna also said that while God is everywhere, He's specially in the heart of the devotee. And He gave the example that, like this whole house, of course, it's not my house. But imagine this house is my house. So you can say, I'm this, is, I'm, I live in this house, but my living room or my bedroom or the place where I'm always at, that's like my special dwelling place, right? Well, God's everywhere, but the heart of the devotee is His. Sri Ramakrishna calls his drawing room, his living room, his parlor. Where you can always find them, most likely to find them. Sadavo hridayam mayam sadhunam hridayam tvaham mar anette na janati naham tebyam manag api. Mar anette na janati. Besides them, I don't know. Besides me, they don't know anything. And besides them, I don't know anything. Very beautiful, right? I'm in their heart, they're in my heart. They only know me and I only know them. That's the only thing I think about is my devotee. Right? Very emotional section. Uh. Holy men, am I verily my heart? Okay, uh, oh, learned one, I shall tell you the way out. Listen to it. Go for help to... Ambarisha himself, against whom you use this black magic. The black magic done against a saintly person without cause person would cause the ruin of the person who results in such practices. This is another thing. Any magic done against a devotee, it will cause only ruin. It backfires. And this is a beautiful, this is also this is a very quotable, people quote this line. Tapovija Chavipranam. Nirshayasas Tapa Vidya, austerity and knowledge. Right? These are considered good things. 
These are the, like a Brahmin should have these qualities, right? But if one does not have devotion, if one is an egotistical person, then austerity and knowledge is bad. The opposite effect. Rather than being auspicious, it becomes bad. You see, somebody with education, but was, uh, 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 yeah, p- power and knowledge without, a, without pure, a pure heart, better that person didn't have knowledge, didn't have power, right? Uh, austerity and learning are beneficial to spiritual aspirants, but in the hands of an of a egotistical and perverse person, they prove to just be the contrary. So, O learned one, you return to Ambarisha, the son of Nagbhaga, and seek his pardon. Then you will be at peace. Right? This is a secret. So, this is a great teaching, simple thing, teaching here, is that when we've offended, like, this is called aparad, right? sadhu aparad, when you offend a devotee, right? a great devotee makes a mistake, how do you fix it? And this, he goes to, Brahma couldn't, you can't hide it. He, he hid and he went to Kailash. He went to a cave in Mandara Mountain, couldn't hide. He went to, Brahma couldn't help him. Shiva couldn't help him. Even Vishnu, who's discourteous, couldn't help him. It's not like, oh God, please forgive me for offending Turiya. God can't forgive you for many Turiya. Turiya has to forgive you, forgive you for offending Turiya. Right? He says, go to the... It's exactly, this is just... It's a nice, long, complicated, Puranic, scriptural story about an ancient king of the earth a million years ago, right? But this is common... This is actually just common behavior. You know, your mom would, your mom would probably tell you this growing up. You know, like, we'll go to the person that you offended and apologize. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> right? So you have to go... This is the thing, if you offend a, a devotee or a, a sadhu or a devotee, you request... All you can do is request uh, forgiveness. Um, uh, so then a question, sub-category, sub-commentaries on this say, what if you offended, you, maybe you've criticized and made a great offense and didn't realize until years later what your mistake was, right? And what if that person dies and you can't request forgiveness, right? And the scriptures give an answer. You spend your whole life publicly stating, I made this very great mistake. <laughs> it actually says like that, you know, like you, you point out, you know, you don't hide that mistake. And when I was a young boy, I had a foolishness and ego, I made... I did this bad thing against a devotee, you know, like I never got a chance to apologize. That you, you that's pure, that itself is also purifying. You'll be at peace. Sri Shuka said, Thus instructed by the Lord, Dhruvasa was extremely distressed by the threat of that disc, now went to Ambira, Ambarisha and held his feet seeking part protection. Ambarisha was shocked at a Rishi holding his feet, right? Extremely bashful and pained at heart, he began to recite a hymn in praise of the Sudarshan. So he realized, so he realized oh, save me, sell me, please withdraw, forgive me, please forgive, uh, withdraw your Sudarshan. So he began to, but he was first, he's like, I, I didn't do anything against you. Right? The, he, ne- he never thought anything bad against the sage. Right? But, uh, but the, the disc is always protecting, right? So he begins to praise, pray to Sudarshan. And uh, uh, so it's interesting that, so that gives us, I, this, these verses give us an idea of what is Sudarshan. What is that this that protects, that protects uh, the devotee? Right. Very, uh, what does Sudarshan mean? Here we go. The name. Darshan means vision. Su means good, pure, auspicious. Right, so an auspicious vision or a proper view of things if you look properly, that's Sudarshan, right? And also, well, 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 well actually, I won't. 
I'm giving them I'm giving the the, the it away before let's see here tapo tapo bijam 71 yeah so he starts ambirasha ambarisha uvacha ambarisha says tvam agni you are fire bhagavan surya you are lord surya the sun tvam somo soma you are the moon Jyotishampati, the lord of all um, uh, luminous objects. Moon is the king of all, uh, uh, the lord of all shining objects. Twam apas. You are apas. Apas means water. Twam kshitihi means earth. You are earth. Vyoma. Vyoma means sky. Vayu. Bayu means air. Matra uh, indriyanicha. You are matra. Matra means here the object of the senses and indriyani and the senses. So this is what is the sudarshan? You are you are earth. You are fire. You are the sun. You are the moon. You are space. You are air. You are um, uh, 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 air. Uh, you are uh, sky. You are uh, anything the senses touch and the senses that touch them. Right. Sudarshan is this world. Right. So that that that's the disc of that's the and also you can see this disc is the world is the revolving time of 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 of, of, of the twirling disc of time. Right. And but that this that is this Vishnu's weapon is the world. Right. Which means that the that he gave Sudarshan or. To, and there's stories to do that he looked upon the world and that was Sudarshan, right? God creates by seeing, and seeing. Actually, back when you were doing the Hanuman Chilis, I ran and got my iPad. First, I ran to look for my Bible and I couldn't find it. I think it's out in the Kutir. But how the Bible start, right? Uh, it's Holy Week right now, so it's a good time to read these things, right? You know, in the beginning, I've made, some people here must know the Book of Genesis. You've heard the story of creation, right? Right, uh, and God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. That's the first thing, right? And and so He starts creating these categories: light, water, air, earth. The same elements are there. And He saw the light, and that it was good. He saw it. That's darshan, and He called, declared it as auspicious, good. That's this is sudarshan, right? Uh, so. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness fell upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light and the, dark, and the darkness. God called the light day, and called the darkness night. He called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Then, then God said, Let there be firmament in the midst of the waters, and divide the waters. From the, and so each one, each step, and he said, And God saw it, and it was good. This is the same principle of Sudarshan. God, God creates everything by... Actually, what is it? It's another way we take it, a sub-idea behind the whole Bhagavatam is the Sankhya philosophy. What is Sankhya philosophy? That there's Pakriti and Purusha. You have God, spirit, and matter. Right? And so by seeing matter, that creates life. Right? You know, so it's like he... he and, 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 or in stories that he gives a sidelong glance and Pakriti comes alive. Right, everything comes alive by his glance. This is the idea of Sudarshan. So this idea of Sudarshan, you are, 
sorry, 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 uh, instructed. Um, Bruce, sorry, three different things. Thou, you are fire, you are the sun, you are the moon, you are the sky, you are earth, water. That means this whole creation is the disk, right? That's given to a devotee and for its protection. And so if you see properly and you're out of devotion, then everything is for your protection, right? And if, you're, if, and if you transgress these principles, everything is torturing you. You see, you can see, I mean, every, every uh, Sami Ramatrita says when you break Dharma, every, it looks like every piece of grass is standing up against you, right? <laughs> right? It's like the whole, whole, the whole nature is against you if you're, if you're against, if you don't have, if you're not spiritually uh, correct. Sudar, Sudarshana Namastubhyan, we bow to that Sudarshan Chakra. Sahasra cha chudapriya sarvastra gatim vipraya swastibhuyo idaspate. O thou Sudarshan, thou a thousand spoke. You are the favorite weapon of Achuta. Thou art the power that consumes the effect, of, the effect of all of the weapons. Thou art the master of the earth, I salute thee. Thou art, be, be thou propitious to this sage. Twam dharma. You are dharma. Right? This is Sudarshan. Twam ritam satyam. You are, ritam is the cosmic order. Satya, you are truth. Uh, twam yagno. You are sacrifice. Yagno akila yagnabuk. Twam loka pala sarvatma. Twam teja purusham paurusham param. You are Dharma, you are Ritta, you are Satya, you are sacrifice, and the one adored through all, the infinite being adored through all sacrifice. So this is, uh, uh, this is sort of nature itself, the whole world is the weapon. And how do we, if you, if you, if you, uh, and it's not sin against nature, it's sin against the devotee. If you don't see spiritually, you don't see what's actually here, the Lord, that's everything, and within everyone's heart, and, and you transgress that, that realization, you don't develop that realization and you're out of foolishness, then nature turns sour. Right? You know, this great sage, everything, uh, nature itself, the very elements, the very, uh, uh, the very senses, everything he touches is, is, is after him, it seems to be. Right? Very interesting. What is that Sudarshan? It's the world itself. I'll just jump. Thou art the... Uh, Salutations to thee, the protector of Dharma and the terror of the Asudas who follow the path of Adharma. Salutations to thee who art pure radiance, the three mind-like, and to thee, uh, to thee mind-like in speed and astounding in thy works. By thy spiritual radiance, the darkness of ignorance is dispelled, and the minds of great men are illumined. The world, if we if we see properly, the world itself will illuminate us, will enlighten us. Right, you know. O Lord of speech, none can excel thee in greatness, for the whole universe in its subtle and gross condition is your manifestation. O incomparable one, when you are released from by the Lord, who is free from all stain, thou sh shinest in the field of battle, cutting off the limbs and head of the suttas. O world protector, thou art given to pardoning the offenses of those who have sought refuge in thee. Thou hast been de deputed by the Most High to punish the wicked only, 
It will be a blessing to me if you spare this holy sage, for it will bring good fortune to our family. Withdraw and bless this uh, Durvasa. It would be a great condensation on thy part. If I have done any charities, now this is interesting, remember, now, now Durvasa, by his, by all his austerities, he creates this curse. Now how, uh, the, uh, how the king is going to act. If I have done any charities, if I have done any meritorious acts and rites prescribed in the Vedas and the Vedanta and the sacred laws, if I have done my, my dharma, my duties properly, if my family has honored holy men as divine, then may this holy man be free from his predicament. Right. So he, his, his austerity, if I have lived a good life, if I have lived an auspicious life, you please protect this sage, restore all your thing. He uses his, his austerity right, to do good, the opposite of, of, of Durvasa and the story. If the worshipable Lord, who is one without a second and the repository of all auspicious qualities, is pleased with our service to him, and, and in his capacity as a soul of all beings, may this holy man be free from all fear. Sri Sukha said, The hymn addressed by Am- Ambarisha calmed the Sudarshan, and the, the disk of Mahavishnu, this turning world, was calmed down, made peaceful. Free from the fierce and burning aura of the Sudarshan, Dravasa was again at peace. Pronouncing blessings on Ambirisha, he now spoke in praise of him. Dravasa said, Today I have experienced the inconceivable greatness of the servants of the Infinite One. I've learned, I finally have learned, today in my education, I've learned the greatness of devotees. The servants of God. For, O King, you, his devotee, are doing good in return to one like me who has done you evil. This is another quality of a devotee, right? Jesus says, we know, do good to those who persecute you. What is there impossible of achievement for these pious men who have by their devotion won over as their own the worshipful Sri Hari, the master and protector of all devotees, and for the good of the magnanimous, what is there impossible to renounce? What unfulfilled longing can there be for a devotee of him whose very name purifies by hearing and whose feet can make one holy by their touch? This one I, I, was, I also looked up. Yannama shuti matrena puma bhavati nirmalaha That you're just remembering your name, completely remembering your name, God means Lord's name, Pumam Bhavati, the person is completely purified. Right. Very beautiful. That's that's how. This is also the secret. These are these are secret hidden verses in the story. This is the whole secret. By by remembering the name, we become entirely purified. This is why devotees are actually. Why is it that we worship? Why devotees worshipable? Because they say God's name, right? And you say, oh, the Lord exists within the heart of the devotee. That's a poetic thing, but that's literally true, because the Lord exists within the name. And the name exists within the devotee. Right? So you say the name of God. That is the entirety of God. This is the great mystery of the name. Is that we can't, I mean, by, 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 its, by our own, by, its, by logical definitions, we can't think of God. God is infinite. Right? And we are finite. Right? So we can think of some ideas. Oh, we say, oh, he's omnipresent. Infinitely present. That's a nice philosophical category, but we, we can't even think that word. What you, what you can think of is oh, omnipotent, all-powerful. We can't think of infinite. We have a word for infinite, all-power. 
We we don't we can't actually think it because we're finite, right? So we cannot you know we can't really think of God, right? Not in not in the, in the big way, but we can think of God's name, right? And that's the beauty that God's name is a seed that contains the entirety of the of the whole tree. And the example my Guruji used to give, like to use Turiya as our example, I know some things of his personality, and his, I know a little bit of his history, some of his personality, his education, his, uh, his likes, and like this. But most of him remains hidden to me. Maybe even hidden to him. Right? We don't know. Like, like, so it's hard for me. I'm going to meditate on Turiya. Right? So I start thinking, our relationship. It's an auspicious meditation. I think about you a lot. <laughs> right? But it's going to be imperfect. Or I can just say Turiya. Right? And that means everything I, I, I know about him, but it also means everything I don't know about him. It's included. Right? The infinite is included in the name. This is a very great mystery. Right? Uh, so uh, the sea contains the entirety of the tree, even the unmanifested part, right? unknown part, great mystery. Then that name, remembering that name, one becomes entirely pure. Therefore, devotees are entirely pure because they say God's name. This is the idea behind these beautiful verses. That's verse 16. What unfulfilled longing can there be for a devotee of him whose very name purifies it upon hearing and whose feet make one holy by their touch? This is why we touch the holy feet of devotees. O king, I have been blessed by you of abounding mercy, for you have pardoned my offense and thus saved my life. Sukha said, King Ambarisha, who had not yet taken his food, awaiting the return of Dravasa, now prostrated himself before the sage, cheered him up, and fed him. With great satisfaction, the sage partook of that delicious meal, providing varieties of dishes with all six flavors. He then requested the king to take his meal. Dravasa then said, I feel pleased, I feel blessed by what I have received from the great devotees like you, from, from your sight, speech, touch, and hospitality in the spirit of divine service. The celestial damsels shall constantly extol this action of yours in song. So, Dravasa, so this is uh, this is the, basically the end of the story that he uh, he's forgiven, and then please you 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 left in a huff, <laughs> without taking your food. You please take your meal, and then I shall eat, right? Skipping. In this way, King. Ambarisha, who was endowed with many great virtues, attained to the highest form of bhakti, the greatest form of devotion, consisting in the consecration and offering of all the fruits of work and senses, uh, sense of agency, the sense of doership to Vasudeva, the soul of all, the soul of all, and the universal Brahman. Devotion filled him with such intense renunciation that made him feel all heavens with all their enjoyments up to Brahmaloka as mere hells. Afterward, high-souled Ambarisha entrusted the kingdom to his sons who were, well, who, who were equal to him in virtue and took to the life of a forest-dwelling ascetic. He became Banapras. He gave his, his mind entirely to Vasudeva, the soul of all, the transcend, and, and transcended the play of the forces of Pukriti. One who devoutly recites and reflects on this great narrative Concerning King Ambarisha, will become a devotee of the Lord. Okay, I, uh, when I was studying this this afternoon, I had the Sanskrit in front of me. Very, very beautiful. Right then, one be, one becomes you simply that. Uh, I wish I remembered, but it was it was just one becomes that that becomes. If you just think about 
the story, you become a devotee. What does this mean? Just think about think about the story as a teaching of the story. If one becomes a devotee of the, of the devotees, one becomes a devotee. That's really what it boils down to. We have this term in, uh, in the Vaishnava tradition, das anudas, a servant of the servants, right? And and today I was I actually posted something online to this effect. One in the book of John, chapter thirteen, I think. Gospel according to Saint John, because it's Holy Week right now, as we're Passover and 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 uh, final uh, Passion of, uh, of Jesus' story is there, his resurrection tomorrow. On Thursday, uh, on Holy Thursday, there was a scene where he it said actually they took their food and then he she, uh, Jesus got undressed, took off his clothes and put just a towel on on the thing, and then he took his disciples and he washed their feet, right? And using his own towel, he dried their he dried their feet, and uh, the famous paintings have been done like this of Jesus washing the feet of his own disciples, and he and then he tells them, oh, "I'm doing this with a reason, because I am. You think I am the Lord and the Master. Master here means teacher, guru. I'm your guru, and I'm God, right? So it doesn't look. But that's it's true. I am me being God, and me being the guru, being your master. I'm doing this, right? That you shall do the same." Right. He says, because actually he says, a servant and the one served are not different. These are beautiful verses, right? And the messenger and the one who gives the message is not, and is not different. They're not the same. The slave, actually the term is archaic language, right? The slave and the slave owner is not, are not different. The positions may be temporarily different, right? So the disciple and the guru are not different, right? So I'm showing you. Right, that that we're actually there is there is a relationship. There is a we normally behave in a way between disciple and guru, right? But I'm sh- I'm doing this that you also do this. You 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 serve you. If I see God in, in you, you should also see God amongst each other. And this live your life. It's actually one of the final messages. This is the final scene before the Last Supper and the like. This is the. Second to the Last Supper, <laughs> the Thursday, Thursday meal, or maybe before the Last Supper. So anyway, thank you very for your kind attention. Auspicious day to uh, tomorrow. Uh, if there's no small children here anymore, but we have a, a at four in the afternoon, we have a transcendental Easter egg hunt <laughs> with chocolate eggs in our garden. It's very auspicious to have children running around happy. <laughs> It brings, we do it quite selfishly. We want the blessings of, of children running around. So, uh, of course, you're all too big for Easter egg hunting. But <laughs> if you have any small children, it's like that. We have that at 4 o'clock tomorrow. Jai Ma, Jai Ma, Jai Ma. Tariyum Tatsatik.